I've been doing different uh, forms of low carb keto intermittent fasting since then. And I've never looked back for me. It is the best way and healthiest way to eat, to maintain health, to maintain quality of life, to maintain energy, to help with recovery. I mean, I, I, the list goes on and on as to how many benefits there are doing keto. Are you looking for all the benefits of a keto diet, but don't want living the keto lifestyle to be your second full-time job? I'm Kristen Scaff, and on this podcast, I'm on a mission to help you cut through the keto confusion and navigate your way to a healthier, happier you. If you're looking for some mouth-watering recipes that take less than 10 minutes to prepare, then head over to ketotimehacks.com and grab a free copy of my cookbook, 10-Minute Keto Comfort Foods. Just cover the cost of shipping. But for now, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to Real Keto Talk. And I am very excited today for the interview that we have and the guests that we have on our show. We have somebody I have known, it's been 20 years. It's been more than 20 years. More than 20 years, yeah. More More than than 20 20 years, yes. A friend, but also one of the best experts that I could have on the podcast for what we're going to talk about. So let me introduce Dominic Papil. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great, my friend. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Good. I'm glad to be here. I'm excited. I'm so glad to have you on. So the reason I'm having um, Dom on the podcast is he is still, for all the years that we've known each other, one of the fittest people that I know, and also one of the best trainers that I know. He can get anybody into ideal shape. He gets people ready for big shows, the professionals, but he can also do wonders with random, ordinary people like me, and knows a lot about training, about nutrition, about supplementation across the board. But of course, as we're on Real Keto Talk, Dom is somebody who is a fan of the keto diet as part of what he teaches and trains people to do. So before we dive into all the questions that I have, I'm going to have you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background and what you do now and and Tell everybody a little more about yourself. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, I've been, uh, let me see here. I've been, a, I've been a competitive bodybuilder now for about 30 years. I was uh, 17 when, it, when I did my first bodybuilding contest and I started getting really deep and heavy into nutrition and uh, fitness and um, exercise science. And I just kept with it, kept with it, kept with it. It was just something that I just absolutely fell in love with. And of course, you know, being a competitive athlete, nutrition is something that you absolutely you know, you have to tackle and it has to be paramount in your life or else you're just not going to get anywhere with it, especially a sport like bodybuilding. So nutrition was something that I had to learn. I wanted to learn. I was obsessed to learn. I didn't think that it would end up that I, I mean, I'm blessed and I'm fortunate that it ended up being my life's work and uh, that I was able to make a career out of it. But like I said, I mean, I, I've pretty much done every single diet you can imagine. Uh, I've made every single mistake you could imagine. It wasn't until around 1996 where I started really getting frustrated with my physique. I wasn't able to take my muscularity to where I wanted to. I wasn't able to get my body fat levels low enough to be able to be competitive. And I reached a point of no mas, where I just basically said, you know what? I'm 10 weeks out from this contest. I'm nowhere near what I want to be. I just, you know, I give up. There's got to be, there's, there's got to be another way I can live. There's got to be another sport that I can do. I give up. So I did some soul searching for about a week and I uh, 
it was going through one of my old bodybuilding magazines and then I saw uh, that there was a book written by a man named Dan Duchesne. The book was called Body Opus. It was the first version of the ketogenic diet that I had ever read about. I didn't know what the ketogenic diet was up until that point. At that point, I heard about Atkins, but I didn't know a whole lot behind it. So I picked up this book and once I started reading it and I started reading about the exercise science that was in it, uh, the biochemistry. Um, he really emphasized metabolism, nutrient metabolism. I mean, it was the first time that I had read a book written by a bodybuilder that was scientifically based and that had double-blind studies and had science as its main foundation. Up until that point, everything that I had read or heard was mostly bro science or anecdotal or just do this because I did this and I've got abs, so it's going to work. But it was it was nothing concrete that I could really wrap my mind around. I always wanted to understand the science behind nutrition. And that was the first book that kind of paved the way for the rest of my nutritional habits. All of my nutritional habits are based on that book. And Body Opus, basically, what it did is that you were in ketosis for five days. And then on the weekend, you would do what was called recomposition, where you were doing a lot of carb loading. Okay. Again, at this point, I'm 10 weeks out from my contest. I had completely given up. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this and see what happens. Since, I mean, since I'm ready to just give up anyway, maybe I could just not put so much pressure on myself, have a little bit of fun with it, see what I can learn. Well, lo and behold, the moment I started doing the Body Opus diet, I immediately responded. I immediately responded. I mean, I started having a lot more energy. I, my body fat started coming down again. At the time, most of the other bodybuilders in the area were kind of looking at me like, why are you eating cheese and bacon? And I thought you were getting ready for the show. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to try something new. Okay. I mean, at the time, you have to understand at the time, the whole mentality was white potatoes, rice, uh, rice cakes, boiled chicken, a little bit of seasoning, and that's it. And that's it. I mean, everybody was doing the exact same thing back then. I was the only one eating cheese and bacon and ground beef. And I was getting leaner. <laughs> and, and what ended up happening was, as you would have it, I did the contest. I won. I won my first first place trophy. I was absolutely ecstatic. I took the Mr. Windsor Heavyweight Championship title that year. I felt great about it. It was a diet that I was able to continue to maintain in the off season without having to put on too much weight. Because you know, if you wanted to, if you want to increase your body weight, you just increase the carbs. You want to decrease your body weight, you just decrease the carbs. So in a nutshell, that's how I was introduced to uh, ketogenic diets. And that was back in 1996. And I've literally been doing, I've been doing different uh, forms of low carb, keto, intermittent fasting since then. And I've never looked back. For that's me, it is tough. the best way and healthiest way to eat, to maintain health, to maintain quality of life, to maintain energy, to help with recovery. I mean, I, I, the list goes on and on as to how many benefits there are doing keto. So, and suffice it to say, can, can we say based on just looking at you as a prime example, that there's a school of thought out there that, that if you're going to do keto for whatever results you're looking to get, you're going to have to sacrifice strength. You're not going to be able to perform in the gym anymore. Like you used to, what do you say to people who say that to you? Like, you're not going to be able to lift heavy anymore. You're not going to be able to make those gains in the gym if you're doing keto. Well, the first thing that I tell people is when you take a look at the macronutrients that we ingest in order to develop strength and then build muscle, which is a byproduct of strength, the two nutrients that are absolutely essential in the body are amino acids, which we get, of course, from protein, and essential fatty acids, 
so that our bodies can take those essential fatty acids, take the cholesterol from those essential fatty acids, and then create the necessary hormones that are responsible for triggering that muscle growth and, and helping us maintain that strength. At nowhere in the entire nine-step process of building muscle, nowhere along that line do carbohydrates ever play a role. When we build muscle, when our body's recovering, it needs amino acids and it needs essential fatty acids. It never needs carbs. Carbohydrates never go in to that biochemical process ever. If you stopped eating carbs right now and just ate the essential amino acids and the essential fatty acids, you would continue to live a long, probably a longer healthy life, healthier life on top of that. And not once would you ever go into what's called carbohydrate withdrawal or glycogen deprivation. It just doesn't happen. Our bodies do not need carbohydrates in order to sustain itself and in order to survive. If anything, we function better when we eliminate carbs completely. We function a lot better. So that would be the thing that I would tell someone who's nervous about losing strength or losing muscle. Uh, it just it doesn't happen that way. If anything, you'll probably continue to get stronger and build more muscle. And if the goal is to increase body weight, then you can do that by simply increasing your protein calories and increasing your essential fatty acid calories. You don't need carbs to do that. Carbs, if anything, carbs will hinder that process because the more carbs you consume, the more insulin resistant you become and the less overall nutrients you absorb, including protein, including essential fatty acids. So if anything, having high carbs is counterintuitive to building muscle. So, because I was going to say, anybody that's seen, I've, I've seen your videos, it doesn't look like you're struggling to be doing some heavy lifting over there. Looks no, like I'm still looking pretty good. I mean, I've been, you know, for an old guy. <laughs> older. <laughs> we don't say old. We don't say old. Yeah, older uh, guy. <laughs> so, let me ask you this question. So, when you get a new client, whether it is somebody that's looking to do something like a show or go in that direction, or whether it's just man off the street, regular everyday person that just wants to get into better shape or lose some weight. Do you, you recommend the keto diet to both of those type of people? Um, I do, but I recommend the keto diet to, to, to both of them. But what I would do is I would modify it to fit with their, to fit their specific needs. Yeah. So uh, tell us a little more about areas. that. Yeah. Tell us well, a little more about how you areas. do it differently for different people. Well, let's say, for example, I get a guy that comes in and he's got a very fast metabolism. He wants to build muscle. He has a really hard time adding weight, but he wants to be competitive and he wants to compete with it. Then I get another person that comes in and let's say it's an older gentleman. He's got a slow metabolism. He really has a hard time dropping weight, but he wants to. What I do is I have them following the exact same type of macronutrient percentages, but what I do is I modify the calories. I take the guy that wants to build the muscle with a fast metabolism and I have him eating a lot of protein with a lot of essential fatty acids. There's moderate carbs in there in the forms of some fruits and some vegetables. But for the most part, he's going to derive the majority of his calories from protein and fat because ultimately those are the nutrients that build muscle. Now, the other guy, he's trying to lose the fat. He wants to bring his body weight down and he's got a slower metabolism. What I do is I have him follow the exact same protocol, but instead... I'll have him throw in some intermittent fasting, whether it's a 16-hour fasting window with an eight-hour food window. And then I might include two meals, mainly comprised of lean proteins and essential fatty acids. So the biggest difference between the two is the amount of calories that the both of them are going to be ingesting. One, is, of course, is going to be higher because he's trying to build. He wants to be in a state of anabolic growth. So you need surplus calories for that. And the other one wants to lose weight. So I'm going to have to bring his calories down. But the ratios themselves stay the exact same. The base foundation is keto for both of them. 
So that's, that, that's kind of how I do it. Yeah, yeah. And then say as you're in the process of training either of those type of people, and as they get closer to their goal, do you make adjustments to what they're eating along the way and to other things, how they're fasting and all of that? Well, a lot of it's based on where they want to take their training. Uh, let's say, for example, let's say you take the older gentleman and he loses 70 pounds and he feels great. He sees his abs for the first time. He's really excited. And now all of a sudden he says to me, he goes, Dom, you know, I'm thinking about doing a little bit of competitive boxing. Is there any way we can include that into the program? And if we do, what is my nutrition going to look like? Well, at that point, at that point, because he wants to start getting into a different kind of sport, calorie expenditure is going to go up, of course, because with boxing training, he's going to be doing a lot of cardio. I mean, he's going to be learning footwork. He's going to be learning, you know, how to block, how to slip. That takes up a lot of energy. So what I would do at that point for him is I would monitor his body weight, but I would also increase his calories by around 500, but I would keep the ratios the exact same. It would be predominantly protein and essential fatty acids with a very minute amount of carbohydrates. But at that point, all I do is I modify it by increasing the total calories by about 500. And then I continue to monitor his weight. I continue to monitor how he looks, what his waistline looks like. If the cardio is getting to the point where he's starting to burn up a lot of weight quickly, I simply increase the calories again. Or if that calorie increase is actually hindering him where now he's gaining weight, regardless of the extra cardio, then I'll keep the calories where they're at. And he pretty much just stays doing what he's been doing the entire time. But all the while, I'm monitoring what he's doing. So a lot of it's going to be dependent on the biofeedback that I'm getting back from him. But I do modify it based on what individual goals are. I mean, let's say the younger kid that we were talking about earlier, let's say he does decide to compete. We lower his calories. He's ripped. He looks fantastic. He gets into his contest. He does really well. Now he wants to add 30 pounds of muscle. Okay, well, now we simply increase the calories again. Until it's time for him to compete again, then we bring them back down. But the ratios always stay the same. Because that biochemical process of converting fat into usable energy, your body has to be in ketosis pretty much the entire time if you're going to get the benefit of a ketogenic diet. So on that front, it sounds like, and this is important because one of the things we talk about on here a lot is customizing the keto diet to you, your situation, your health, your body, whatever, whatever your lifestyle is. So let's say somebody has never done the keto diet. They're just starting. They've got a pretty big goal ahead of them, but they've never done it before. If you have somebody come to you and they just, they've got a, a long road ahead of them. What are your best tips for kind of the newbie getting started on the keto diet? What would you recommend for them in terms of kind of diet basics? And then also what would you tell them to do in terms of exercise? Well, what I would tell them to do, well, the first thing that I would tell them to do when it comes to their nutrition is I would tell them to restrict all of their carbohydrate sources down to green vegetables and some fruits. Okay. The fruits that I advocate are berries. Pretty much all of your berries are very low glycemic. So those are more of the ketogenic friendly berries. The green vegetables, they can pretty much have any kind of green vegetable that's out there with the exception of peas. Peas have a lot of starch. So we try to keep the peas out of there. And then what I do is I try to have them visualize what's going to be on their plate for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And when they're looking at their plate, they want to see a decent-sized amount of protein. They want to see some green vegetables and then maybe maybe a half a cup of berries. And if they can do that three times a day for lunch, breakfast, and dinner, then that's 
first off, it's it's very it's a very satisfying way to eat because you have all of your macros in there. You don't get hunger cravings because the sugars and the starches are gone. So once blood sugar stabilizes, which only takes about 18 hours, at that point, they acclimate to the ketogenic diet fairly quickly. Their bodies start producing ketones by the third day, and then they're feeling great. And they're not hungry, and they don't get those ravenous food cravings because blood sugar is stabilized. So that's pretty much the first thing that I tell people is try to have a good size amount of protein, a decent amount of fat, some fruits and you know some vegetables, and then and then just a little bit of fruit. But get rid of all the sugar, all the breads, all the starches. That's got to go. That's got to go. Because at no point do we ever bring those back in. Those those types of carbohydrates are gone for good, and they have to be because they're the carbohydrates that got us in trouble in the first place. Yeah, I get a lot of people. A, you know, you're having a coke with your right. fat and your protein, right? Well, I think is that I get a lot of people that say to me, "Well, what do you do when you go back to normal eating and you go off keto?" I'm like, well, that's the whole thing. It was, it was quote unquote normal eating that got you into that predicament in the first place that made you overweight, that gave you metabolic syndrome. Why would you want to go back to something that was poisoning you? Okay. You know, absolutely. Keto is, keto is absolutely an everyday lifestyle thing where you get into it and you do it literally forever because your body's going to thank you for it. You're giving your body all the nutrients that it needs. And you're getting rid of all the junk. I mean, why bring that junk back in? Yeah. I mean, it's once, yeah. you know, it's like being addicted to a drug. Once you're off the drug, why do you want to go back to it? Leave it alone. You don't need it. And something I hear a lot is, and this is hard to tell people, sometimes you get people that have been doing keto a long time and they forget mm-hmm. what it's like when you're first doing keto, right? Where you're yeah. having to adjust, you're not fully fat adapted yet. You know, it's harder to come in and out like on your, on your refeeds or whatever you're doing. But you want to kind of give them a glimpse of what that feels like to say, stick this out. Because once you feel that way, you're not going to be having the cravings that you're having now. Like you're not going to be feeling like you want to go back because you feel so good. No, absolutely. I tell all my people that start on keto, I tell them, if you can get past the first seven days, then the next seven months are going to be a breeze. But those first seven days, and I don't lie to my people, I tell them, the first seven days are going to be difficult. You're going to have cravings. You might get a headache. You might feel flu-like symptoms. There's going to be peaks and valleys in energy. You know, you're really going to have to focus on, that's where the willpower comes in. Okay. And that's the beautiful thing about the ketogenic diet. You only need willpower for the first seven days. After that, once you become fat adapted and the body is in a state of ketosis and you're getting that steady supply of energy throughout the day and the cravings are gone, at that point, it's not difficult to do. That's not difficult at all. But those first seven days, those first seven days are rough, especially the first three. The first three are really rough, but you only need seven days worth of willpower. After that, you've got it. Your body takes over after that. After that, your mind doesn't crave all of that sugar anymore. And if anything, it, you never have to go through this. I have to go on the diet again. I have to go on the diet again. I have to go on the, you yep. know, if you think about it, you do this. This is the last time you have to do that. I'm starting on the diet again. Right, right. And it's only seven days of suffering. And then after that, you're golden. After that, you're good. Yeah, yeah, you're good. And then if you wanted to have what's called, see, I do, I do what's called a cheat meal, where for three hours a week, whether it's on Saturday or on Sunday, that's always my day off. For three hours a week, I'll eat and drink whatever they want, or whatever I want. I'll drink and drink whatever I want. And I know that it sounds counterintuitive, but there was an entire thesis written on the benefits of being on the ketogenic diet and then doing one refeed meal, which yeah. is primarily sugar once a week. And without having it get too much into the biochemistry behind it, it has a lot to do with the hormone leptin, but it's a bit of a break. 
It's a bit of a that's, break because that's, that's extra helpful for women, right? Is that especially helpful? Do you tell your women to make sure they do a refeed? Absolutely, absolutely. And the general consensus behind the refeed is that you want to do it because it speeds up your metabolism. And in essence, that's exactly what happens. It speeds up your metabolism because the production of the hormone leptin is brought high again. Again, without having to get too much into the biochemical jargon behind it, because it's really boring. <laughs> it's really boring. And in a nutshell, it does speed up your metabolism. And whenever anyone's following a ketogenic diet or even doing intermittent fasting and they hit a wall and for a few days, a week, or even a couple of weeks, they can't lose any weight, the first thing I tell them for the next six to eight hours, I want you to eat and drink whatever you want. The more sugar, the better, because you need that refeed. But just do it for six hours. What I do is I put a timer on my phone. And once I take that first bite of that Twinkie or that pizza, I hit it and I get six hours. I get six hours to do damage and then that's it. I'm done. And it literally does speed up your metabolism. Amazing. And I recommend doing that maximum once every seven days, minimum once every three weeks. At the very minimum, you want to do it every 21 days. At the very maximum, you could do it once every seven days. Yeah. So do you recommend when somebody's first coming to you, do you recommend that they first concentrate exclusively on their diet or do you have them start to utilize some form of working out as they're also starting the keto diet? How do you, how do you kind of integrate working out and exercise into the diet? Well, what I do is because what I do is because 90% of the results that they're going to experience come from the actual diet itself. What I do is I get the diet in place first. I give them their templates. I give them what their meals are going to be. I give them what their food options are going to be based on about three or four different ketogenic food lists that I'll give them. And then we do the workout usually a day or two afterwards. You know, once they're keto adapted, which doesn't take that long, then we get into the workout. And then with the workout, uh, the workout is going to vary from person to person, depending on what their goals are. Uh, somebody who wants to develop a lot of strength and build a lot of muscle is going to train a little differently than somebody who, whose main focus is to just have a little bit of functional strength, but mainly burn off a lot of calories that increase their cardio capacity and, uh, and lose body fat. That person is going to train differently. But the fundamentals are always the same. I always have all of my people doing a variation of squats, bench presses, or deadlifts. I just modify the weight and I just modify the rep ranges depending on what that person's goals are. But the basics are always there. It's the same thing with nutrition. The basics, when it comes to training and when it comes to doing weight resistance, the basics are the ones that you yield the most benefit from. Squats, bench presses, deadlift. The functional strength we get from those exercises transfers into everything else that we do, whether it's getting out of your car, shoveling your driveway, or catching yourself if you slip on ice. All of that functional strength we get from squats, bench presses, and deadlifts. You could do curls and side laterals for the next 20 years and derive no functional strength benefit from it whatsoever, none whatsoever. Overhead presses, deadlifts, okay, now we're talking because those are the, because we're bipeds. So we're meant to do things with two legs and two arms. So those multi-joint exercises that incorporate the large muscle groups all together, that's when we respond the best. That's when our bodies develop strength. Well, the good thing too is it sounds like those are exercises almost anybody can find a place to do them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, when it comes to deadlifts, depending on your age, but if you're 40 and over, I don't recommend that you deadlift off the floor because you don't need to. You could do rack pulls where you're setting the bar directly under your knees. And uh, instead of pulling from the floor, you pull directly from under your knees. Uh, you can handle more weight. There's less chance of you messing up your back or pulling your hamstring. 
And again, you're going to derive all the benefits from doing rack pulls that you are from deadlifting off the floor without having to compromise your joints. That's great. Squats, you want to squat to parallel, you know, but you also want to handle weight that you can handle. And then, of course, bench pressing, you know, you touch your chest and you come back up and you lock out. That's good. I love hearing the advice for over 40. Unfortunately, I'm in that category. Well, so um, am I. So am I. That's okay. That's okay. Now let's go to kind of the third leg of the stool because I don't know if everybody knows this, but you are extremely knowledgeable in the area of supplementation. You've, you've owned nutrition stores, you own a nutrition store, you know, everything there is to know about supplementation and, and health. Now tell me a little bit about your thoughts on supplementation as it relates to somebody on the keto diet specifically and what you normally would recommend and to whom and when and why. Okay. Well, again, it's going to be goal specific. If someone comes to me and says, my primary goal is just to lose weight. I want to try to get as much of this body fat off as possible. Which supplements do you recommend? I might recommend a branch chain amino acid to help prevent muscle wasting. Okay. While we bring the calories down. I also might recommend a thermogenic, something to kind of, uh, you know, kind of bring their heart rate up a little bit, something to get them burning a few extra calories. I mean, and the first question I always ask anyone who starts a thermogenic is, of course, do you have high blood pressure? Are you on thyroid medication? Anyone that has any kind of cardiovascular issue, whether it's high blood pressure or irregular heartbeat, they should stay away from thermogenics. I'm just, I'm not a fan of anyone. It just, it's, it's just not, it's not good advice for them. It's not good advice. Another supplement that I might recommend might be a decent glucose disposal agent. Uh, to help them get into ketosis a little bit faster. Cinnamon is one is, is one that's really good. Another one is, um, uh, not berber, is it ber- berberine? Uh, berberine is something you can buy pretty much anywhere. It acts almost like an organic metformin where it inhibits glucose absorption through the small intestinal tract. So that, uh, that kind of, again, that'll help get you into ketosis a little bit faster. Alpha lipoic acid is another really good one. That's a good one. But when it comes to keto and supplementation, there's there's not a lot of supplements that you're really going to need for the most part. Maybe some potassium glycinate, or no, pardon me, some magnesium glycinate and some potassium. But that would be that would be about it. That would be about it. There's not you don't need a ton of supplements to do keto correctly. What you need is just to really honestly just get rid of the carbs. And those two fall in the electrolyte category, correct? Just to yeah, keep yeah. Keep yeah, the yeah, the magnesium glycinate and the potassium, those are electrolytes. Now, the one thing you want to bear in mind when you're doing keto is you do drop, you do tend to drop a lot of water. Sometimes that can strip the body of some of the electrolytes. So you want to keep your sodium, you want to keep your sodium at a decent level. I mean, you don't want to, you don't want to reduce your sodium at all when you're doing the ketogenic diet. If anything, you want to increase your sodium a little bit. You want to increase your amount of potassium. And then, of course, you want to increase magnesium. The only absorbable form of magnesium that is available on the supplement market is magnesium glycinate. All the other forms of magnesium, they just don't absorb well into the system. The magnesium glycinate, you can pretty much pick it up anywhere. If you're going to use magnesium, that's the one you want. So make sure you're reading your labels. Yeah, magnesium glycinate. Okay, you can find that's it great. Pretty- yeah. Now, so let me shoot you some of the keto hot topics and give us give us your thoughts on these. All right, we'll do a little lightning round, a little keto lightning right. round. Let's do it. Yeah. How do you feel? Are you ready? The, the lightning yeah. round. Um, <laughs> okay, what's your opinion on using exogenous ketones? Uh, I think it's I think it's counterintuitive only because the reason why you lose body fat when you're doing the ketogenic diet is because you're, it's because your body is taking stored body fat 
It's taking it out of that area, whether it's the hips, the thighs, the, um, you know, the glutes, it's taking it out of that area and it's converting it into a usable form of energy, which we call ketones. Using exogenous ketones basically interrupts that process. And if anything, I mean, if I'm looking at this thing, biochemically speaking, it would probably slow down the rate of ketosis. It would probably slow down the rate of your own natural ketogenic metabolism. Again, because if you're consuming it from an outside source, then your body doesn't really have any reason to tap into the fat source to get ketones because it's getting it from an outside source. So I think it's if you're trying to lose body fat, I think it's counterproductive. I don't okay. use them. I don't okay. use them. You don't personally use them. Okay. No, I don't. Okay. What's your feeling about doing, and I'm using kind of the, the popular form of this. I know there's many different ones. Are you a bulletproof coffee person? Do you do a keto coffee in the morning or anything, any version of that? I do. I do. Um, I fast in the morning. Uh, so usually I don't eat till about two or three o'clock in the afternoon. But my clients who are first starting out on keto, absolutely. I tell them, have the bullet coffee in the morning with the butter or the coconut oil. Um, and the majority of my clients who do that, they love it. That soon becomes their new practice. And they love it because, again, it's satisfying. They can still have their coffee. They're not going to think about food for a while. You know, and it's, let's be, I mean, I've tried various forms of bullet coffees and you know what, they're, they're tasty. They do taste good and they are filling and they are satisfying. So absolutely. The bullet coffee's a big fan. Big I'm fan. a fan myself. I'm not going to lie. If someone told me I couldn't have coffee, that could be a deal breaker. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. We got to have more coffee. We <laughs> yeah, got to yeah. All right. Yeah. How about things like, are you somebody that says you have to, you have to weigh and measure and, and, you know, all the grams and the macros and the, and all of that, how, where do you stand on having to be that specific to be successful? Well, I think that whenever you take nutrition to that type of an extreme, it's an unrealistic expectation that you're putting on yourself that nobody can maintain for any type of length of time, whether it's weeks, months, years. No one's going to weigh their food for the next 20 years. I'm not going to do it. You're not going to do it. Nobody else is going to do it. You know, it's just, it's taking things too far. Now, when it comes to portion sizes, what I try to tell my clientele is you want a double portion of protein compared to the amount of greens that you're taking in, but eat to the point where you feel full and you're satisfied and then stop. And then, I mean, as a part of weighing things, I mean, I just, I'm not a fan of it. I'm not a fan of it. I just try to tell people, or I try to encourage my clients you know, use your good judgment. You know, you know, it's going to be too much when it's too much. I don't need to be there to look at your plate and say, that's too much food. I mean, we all know what's too much and we all know what's not enough. And we all know what is a perfect amount. If you have a decent, decent size amount of protein with a certain amount of fat and some vegetables, you're going to eat to the point where you're full. And there's really no point in taking it any further, uh, any further away from that. I mean, once you've gotten rid of the starches and the refined sugars, you're pretty much golden. Even if you do manage to kind of take in a few extra calories, that's not going to hurt you the way it would if you're taking in an extra piece of bread, not even close. Yeah. So just, I tell my people, use your own best judgment. So it's use more, it's not that it doesn't matter how much you're eating, but it's more mm -hmm. the, the what you're eating versus the how much you're eating. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, if they've gotten rid of their sugars and starches, when it comes to, when it comes to their portion sizes, I pretty much tell them, you know, be sensible about it, but use your own judgment. You know, I mean, four chicken breasts is not using your own judgment. That's just way too much food. And, and we all know that. one chicken breast, you know, I can handle that. You can handle that. And so can, and so can anybody else. Yeah, that would be a lot of chicken. 
All right. Now, what's your take on how much water should we be drinking when we're on keto? Well, that's the thing. Um, I drink about a half gallon of water a day, and I think that that's more than enough. I think it's more than enough. Again, you want to be careful. Personally, I think that this industry, and I'm going to be shot for saying this, in this industry, we emphasize way too much water intake, way too much water intake to the point where I think it's harming us more than it's benefiting us. Because the more water you drink, the more your electrolytes get thrown off. A gallon of water a day is not practical and it's not healthy. I mean, I don't, I, I don't care what the experts say. I've done the whole, the whole full gallon of water a day thing and I feel terrible. If anything, my body starts to cramp up. I have less energy. I'm in the bathroom every five minutes. How can that be a good thing? How can that be a good thing? It can't be a good thing. So a half gallon of water a day is more than enough. But again, what you want to be conscientious of when you are on the ketogenic diet is that electrolytes will will drop. So you got to be conscientious of make make sure you have some salt on your food and make sure you're taking enough potassium and enough magnesium. If you're getting those from supplemental forms or from food sources, then you're fine. A half gallon of water a day, more than plenty, more than plenty. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. <laughs> All right, I have two more questions. I promise your lightning round is, is coming up. All right, question on the topic of keto beverages. Are you into like, you know, those, um, you know, you know, you and I call it pop, but other people call it soda, the ones that are, you know, the sugar-free soda. How do you feel about carbonated beverages or other type of sweetened, you know, with even with a keto sweetener? How do you feel about those as part of your part of your keto diet? I think they're indispensable and I absolutely love them. I absolutely love them. Now you have some experts coming along saying that it's going to take you out of ketosis. Your body can't tell the difference. BS. All right. BS with a great big old B and with a great big old S. BS. Bodybuilders have been drinking diet soda since the 1970s to get ready for contests and not once did these diet sodas ever hinder their performance in any way, shape, or form? And if you just take a look at this thing rationally, how can something that contains zero calories take you out of ketosis or give you an insulin spike? It cannot happen. It's impossible. It does not happen. In order for you to get an insulin spike, you need to take in nutrients. Now, when you take in fat, insulin pretty much does nothing. When you take in protein, insulin goes up a little bit. When you take in sugar or starches, insulin spikes. But if you're consuming a beverage that has zero calories, no nutrients whatsoever, please tell me how that is going to throw you out of ketosis or convince your body somehow that it's, that it's consuming sugar. Now, I've had diabetics, good friends of mine, we've experimented with this with their blood sugar, where they would, drink, they would check their blood sugar before they drank a diet soda, and then they would check their blood sugar again a half an hour after. No change. There is no change whatsoever. And I've done this with four different people. Four different people, not one of them developed an insulin spike. Not one of those blood sugar went up, went down. If anything, on two occasions, their blood sugar went down after they drank it, which tells me that it wasn't the diet soda that drove it down. It was just naturally occurring events that they were probably, probably after they exercised, their blood sugar went down a little bit. But this whole thing with these artificial sweeteners being bad for us, they're nowhere near as bad for us as as the food industry wants to, or as the media wants to make it, wants to make it up to be not even close. So, so that, that was going to be sort of one of my, my last questions. So you're okay with people using, um, you know, keto friendly sweeteners and making keto friendly type of 
fat bombs or desserts if they include those sweeteners? Is that okay to be part of the diet? If you're somebody that can control your appetite, and if you have the keto, if you have the keto, if you make the keto desserts, and if you have one serving, that's cool. But the only trouble with that is that if you make seven or eight of them, and they're sitting in your refrigerator, and you know they're keto, there's a good chance that you're not going to eat one. You're probably going to have two or three or four. And then again, it's even though we're doing keto, we don't necessarily want to be. We don't want to be obsessive about our calories, but at the same time, we do have to look at them and make sure that we're not consuming too many of them. And I think eat that's the whole the cheesecake, right? And that's the problem with ketogenic sweets. That's the problem with that's that's the reason why I don't keep ketogenic desserts in my refrigerator or anywhere in my cabinets because I know I'm not going to be able to eat just one of them because I rationalize it's keto, so I can go ahead and keep eating them. No, so, you can't. so maybe make like a mug cake, have your one serving be done, but don't 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 make the whole cake. Exactly. If you can, if you can restrict yourself to one serving, if you have that kind of willpower, go ahead and do it. If you don't, then be honest with yourself and just don't bring it into the house. Okay. That's, a, that's, that. a, that's a good tip. Yeah. Putting the stuff in the freezer, everyone says, just freeze those and you're never going to fight. Yeah, you, you can get in the freezer pretty easily. Right. I find I'm not inhibited by the freezer. Exactly. If it's in the house, it's going to be in your mind and it's going to be pulling on you. At least it does with me. You know, but like I said, if you're someone where you have that discipline, hey, you know what? God bless you. I don't. Yeah, that's, I don't. that is tough. It's uh, it's the what are the is that like the Pringle phenomenon or whatever it is? You can't eat yes. just one or whatever it is. Yeah. Just one. You can't. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. Well, this has been huge. I hope you will. I still have a lot of questions, but I'm going to keep us to our time and to the time I told you. So I hope you will be willing to come back on again another Absolutely. time and let me pester you some more. Be my pleasure. This was fun. Right now, now let's right. let's make sure if anybody wants to follow you or get a hold of you and and uh you know if they are looking for some some help some training some some things to get themselves on track where is the best place to find you best place to find me is on either facebook or instagram okay perfect yeah, we will put the link down below for that and also if anybody is looking for supplements tell them where they can order from you yeah you can order from me Absolutely. I, I ship all over the world. Okay. So international shipments. Absolutely. Okay. Well, we'll put the link for that as well down below so thank everybody you. can find it easily. But thank you so much again for coming on. This has been really good, Thanks. really good info. And uh, we will do this again. Absolutely. All right. Christine. All right. You have a wonderful day. You too, my friend. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to Real Keto Talk. Do you have a question that you'd like me to answer raw and uncut on this podcast? All you need to do is head over to Apple Podcasts and do three simple things. Leave a rating and review telling me what you think of the podcast. In that review, ask anything you want related to keto. And if you want a shout out, leave your Instagram handle or name. That's all. Then... Listen in to hear your question answered live, raw, and uncut. Join us next time for Real Keto Talk. See you next time.